All right, all right, all right. Big guest on Chainlink Sports today. We got a guy from my alma mater from St. Joe's, John Flaherty. Um, graduated a few years before I did, but <laughs> he played uh, from 1992 to 2005 in the majors with the Red Sox, Tigers, Padres, Rays, and then finished off with the Yankees. Now he's a broadcaster with Yes, Net- yes Network, which covers the Yankees. So pregame, postgame, he does a lot of stuff with them. And also in 2011, he founded the Rockland Boulders, which is a independent baseball team. So, John, thanks for coming on. How you doing? I'm doing great, Nico. Thanks for having me on, buddy. No hey, you're very kind, too. I graduated a few years before you, uh, 1985, a long time ago. <laughs> you're looking great. That's why I had to say you're looking good. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, what I kind of want to start off here saying is um, I mentioned all the teams you played for. So like what I want to know is like, I've always been curious about like, what's like that mindset as a player, you know, cause you play to provide for yourself and your family. I and mean, like, of course you play cause you love the game, but it's also your job. It's your, you know, it's your career. Yeah. So what was that like kind of bouncing around to different cities and kind of having to, you know, transition to different teams and different, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like traditions and just clubhouse culture. Like, what, what is that like? Yeah, it changed so much from uh, from my rookie year to the the last team I played with with the with the Yankees. And you know, really, the reality is, I started off as a single guy playing the game because I loved it and I wanted to get to the big leagues. And then I ended as a father of three kids. So a lot changed during my career. Right. Um, but you know, I came up with the Red Sox and and just wanted to get to the big leagues. Was happy to be there. Tried to establish myself. And to be honest with you, that first trade from Boston to Detroit was devastating. I mean, I, I came up through the Red Sox system. Their minor league teams were all on the East Coast. Uh, so my family was able to see me play a lot. And then, you know, being a, an Irishman, the last name Flaherty playing in Boston, I, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. You know, I want to play here my entire right career. Right yeah, so it was, it was great. And then, uh, you know, I got traded to Detroit. And, you know, it took me a while to get over that. But in reality, that trade – kind of catapulted my career. I got a chance to play every day uh, in 95 and established myself as a big leaguer. And then I got traded to San Diego, still single. I was engaged. Um, So those transitions, believe it or not, to a new team and a new organization are pretty easy. You know, and you know this as a ball player, you just, you put your head down, you try to do the best you can do and you try to fit in. And then all of a sudden you you find your friend group, you know, you, you find guys you hang with. Uh, but all the while, you're just trying to play the best you can play and, and fit in. So they're all different trades, all different organizations, but uh, I remember all of them fondly. Right. And then kind of the second part of that question, you kind of um, already answered. Like I was going to say, you know, like the good memories from all those like moving around, but then also the challenges. But I imagine the challenges kind of came once you kind of became like more of like a family man. You kind of had more responsibility on your plate. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, I was so lucky because um, – I have three kids, and when I got traded to Tampa Bay, my daughter was three months old, and uh, I built a house down there, and then my two sons were born in Tampa in Florida, and when, you're, when I was playing for the Devil Rays, we had spring training in Florida, the regular season obviously was in Florida, and we spent our off season in Florida, so from a family situation, my kids didn't know any better. They didn't have to move. They just knew that you know dad went to his job either during the day in spring training or at night during the season. And from a baseball family standpoint, it was it was very, very stable. So I, I was one of the lucky ones from the family environment that they I didn't have to move around too much with the kids, which was right. great. 
That's awesome. So now fast forwarding a little bit to your uh, time with the Yankees and you've played with a lot of great players, like, and you play with Tony Gwynn and San Diego. Yeah. So I'm sure that was, that was awesome. I've always heard great things about him, but when you were with the Yankees, you, you caught uh Randy Johnson, but you were kind of like his like preferred catcher. Right. So like, so my question is like, what was that whole experience? Like, I know he was more towards the tail end of his career, but you know, yeah. he was one of the most, you know, dominant of all time. You know what, going to the Yankees and, and being on that club from 03 to 05, I had competed against those guys and, you know, realized how talented they were, you know, Derek and Jorge Posada and Bernie and all these guys. And then you yeah. get in the clubhouse with them and you're like, wait a second, they're just regular guys who happen to be great baseball players on great teams. So yeah. when Randy when Randy came over, it was the same thing. It was like, okay, uh, I'm looking around this clubhouse, there's star players everywhere and Randy Johnson just fits in. And, you know, that whole thing happened in 05 because Jorge and Randy just didn't get along. And it, it was kind of a... a a relationship that wasn't working. And Joe Torre asked me if I would, you know, they were going to try something different. Would I be able to yell and scream at Randy for nine innings or however long he pitched? And I was like, sure, I'll do whatever I have to do. So, you know, to tell you the truth, I, I kind of threw myself into this role as being his catcher. You know, I yeah. was there for him and I would catch his side sessions. I, I would, you know, do everything to make him feel like my existence as a baseball player revolved around him and him doing well and it worked I mean we yelled and screamed at each other during games I mean I would get myself worked up into the state because I'm a, I'm a pretty mild-mannered calm guy but when I would catch him I would I would bring myself to another level I'd fireballs back at him I'd yell and scream at him right and for some reason it worked he went uh, I think it was 11 and 1 uh, during the second half and uh, it was it was fun on the field. He he's a tough guy off the field. He was a tough guy to be a teammate with. So uh, that part wasn't very pleasant. But the the wins and losses, it kind of worked. worked. Right. And so like the whole like yelling um, and screaming was that because like he was like stubborn and he might not want to like be on the same page as you or like that's just his style. Like that's how you kind of got to get him like hyped up. Yeah, he he's a stubborn guy. He's a tough guy. But uh, he's one of those people that he wanted to intimidate you and feel yeah. like you know he. He's the man, and he was the man. But I, I was like, listen, I'm playing once every fifth day, and I'm not going to let you intimidate me and, and you know, walk all over me. So, yeah. like I said, I, I just kind of got to the point that I realized, you know what, if you fire a ball back at him, it got his attention. You know, if you yelled at him, he would, he would get to another level. And to be quite honest with you, the first half of 05 as a Yankee, he was kind of a mild-mannered. He wasn't the big unit that we remembered and that we faced. And yeah. part of part of me yelling and screaming at him was to get him to get angry again, to get, to be that fierce competitor again, and for some reason to work. That's great. That's that's actually a really great story. I didn't know any of that. But uh, now post uh, playing career, um, in terms of like the Rockland Boulders, how did that become a uh, um, reality for you in terms of founding them, and how did that whole process kind of originate? Yeah, I mean, it, you know it. People say that I, I founded the Rockland Boulders. It was a it was a collaborative group of of investors that wanted to bring baseball to Rockland, an independent league. And you know, I got approached by a man by the name of Ken Lehner, who was my traveling secretary while I was in Tampa playing for the Devil Rays. And he was part of this ownership group that wanted to bring baseball to Rockland County. And he approached me and said, "Hey, would you be interested in this?" Um, 
you know, we're thinking about doing it. And my initial reaction was I, I wasn't interested. And then the more I thought about it, I, I thought about independent baseball being the second chance for a lot of players, right? I mean, yeah. players who don't get drafted out of high school or college and they have no place else to go, uh, they can go to independent ball and, and try to get better and showcase yeah. their skills. And, and then, I started and also thinking like, about and then um, now, because, like, all these guys who are being cut from the minors and all these, like, teams that are being shut down, yeah. a lot of them are going to go straight into indie ball. Yeah, and it's – it's I, I looked at it as the land of opportunity for players is what I thought it was going to be. And um, it turned out to be, be that, but also it became more in that people in our community started working for the Rockland Boulders. Uh, you know, I've had kids – who came up to me, can I get an internship, uh, whatever, in the front office? Or there were kids who wanted to get an internship in doing what we're doing, some sort of broadcasting or behind the scenes camera work. So uh, the whole experience for me became more than just the players out on the field. It became people who wanted to work in the sports industry getting their first step. And, you know, yeah. I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I, I would go to Madison Square Garden and watch a Ranger game. And there's a kid who worked for us for the Rockland Boulders who is now working for MSG and for the Rangers, you know. So I, as proud of I am of, I am of the players who have gone on to play organized, affiliated baseball, I'm equally as proud as the kids who have worked in our front office and have gotten other opportunities. That's amazing that you're able to, like, kind of like that um, ripple effect almost, you know, kind of like opportunities sprouting for something that you didn't even know. That's, that's really awesome. Um, and then you kind of mentioned this kind of like the whole um, broadcasting side of things. What was that transition like? Um, did like did you have any prior history of that or like any like prior skills of broadcasting or just like what, what were like the challenges of like going over to like yes and uh, doing all that? It's a it's crazy the way everything worked out, right? I, I went to George Washington University uh, from St. Joe's High School, and, and the only reason I went to GW they gave me a full scholarship to play baseball. Uh, I was not a great student. Right. So after my, after my second year at GW, I had to declare a major. And it was either psychology or speech communications. And I said, you know what? I was a shy kid, introverted, did not speak well in front of people. It scared me to death. And I said, if nothing else, I'm going to learn how to speak in front of people. So I chose a speech communications major, not thinking that I would ever do anything with it. And then you fast forward 18 years later when I retired. Um, I retired on a Monday and I had five voicemail messages on my phone on Tuesday, uh, from wow. networks that, yeah, they wanted me to audition and they, they had just heard me being interviewed as a player. And they said, you know, we want to give this guy an audition and see if it might be a fit. So I actually auditioned for SNY, the home of the Mets. I auditioned it came for to the MSG. Mets, man. What the hell? Yeah. Are you a Met fan? Yeah. All right. Well, this is a good story because I did an audition for SNY. I did two days uh, spring training games, did a pre and post game show with Matt Yeloff when he was still at SNY. Okay. And they offered me a contract to broadcast for the Mets. I think it was like a 50 game package and I would do some pre and post game work. But the way it all turned out is that George Steinbrenner was in Tampa, Florida and he watched me do these auditions for the Mets. And we know that Mr. Steinbrenner hates the Red Sox and hates the Mets. And as it turned out, he called my boss at Yes, John Filippelli, and he told them, told him, he said, Flaherty's not working for the Mets. You have to bring him over to Yes. And so okay. my boss calls my agent and says, 
you know, we don't have any room for John. I mean, this is at the end of spring training. So they had all their announcers lined up and yeah. he said, we have no room for him. But Mr. Steinbrenner said, I have to hire him. <laughs> so they hired me to a 30 game contract without any idea of what I was going to be doing. And the only reason I got my job back with the Yankees and yes, was because George Steinbrenner hates the Mets. So that's how it all started. Uh, and you know what? When Steinbrenner wants something, <clears throat> he gets it. You he know gets man? it. He that's gets funny. it. Yeah. That's funny. And, you know, yeah. like, you can even look back and, like, you were one of those things that Steinbrenner was not going to be uh, <laughs> denied getting. That's funny. That's awesome. So, last question I have, just simple question. What is your favorite memory in, you know, in your entire life of baseball? You know, whether it's, like, insane, like, Little League game where you had, like, four home runs or up to, like, you know, the major leagues. Like, what's, what's like, the number one uh, memory for you? Wow. There are, there are too many. I mean, you know, I'll never forget the first day that I spent in the big leagues. You know, I, I got called up to the Boston Red Sox in 1992 for opening day Yankees Red Sox. And I was at my place in New York um, visiting my family before I was going to Pawtucket, Rhode Island to AAA. And I get a phone call in the morning on opening day. What time can you be at the stadium? It's a one o'clock start. I literally showed up at a quarter to one threw a uniform on and was announced as a member of the Red Sox standing in Yankee Stadium, the, the place wow. that I grew up watching games. So, I, you know, that's, that's kind of a tough memory to, to beat. But yeah, there are absolutely. so many things. I mean, you know, I think of St. Joe's, we won the county championships in, in 84 and hadn't done that in forever. And that was a big deal and a big yeah. thrill that I'll never forget. You know, GW uh, went in there with 13 freshmen and turned that program around. You know, there are just so many memories. First home run walk-off hit against the Red Sox. It, it all, it all kind of comes together uh, to just an amazing ride that I've, that I've had and been lucky enough to, uh, to play for a long time and now lucky enough to uh, broadcast games for Yes. That's awesome. So <clears throat> that's all I got for you, John. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, of course, Steimer, I took you away from the Mets. But, listen, <laughs> I got to say, I think Gary, Keith, and Ron, they – they might be absolutely like top tier um, that they got going on there. And I, I think having you on that team would have been, would have been awesome. No, nah, I appreciate that. I love listening to those guys. They, they get along great. They have great chemistry in the booth. So uh, I'm with yeah. you. I enjoy their broadcasts and thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it and good luck with everything. Okay. Thanks, Sean. You too. Signing off. Okay.